It's time for security now. Lots of security news from Steve Gibson. I'm back, and Steve has found yet another cloud storage solution that's so good, he says it makes him want to use the Mac. Wow! It's coming up next on Security Now. Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Audio bandwidth for Security Now is provided by the new Winamp for Android, featuring wireless sync and one-click iTunes import. Now with free daily music downloads and full-length CD listening parties. Download it for free at winamp.com slash android. Video bandwidth for Security Now is provided by Cashfly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This is Security Now with Steve Gibson. Episode 351, recorded May 2nd, 2012. Back to the cloud. Security Now is brought to you by Carbonite Online Backup. Automatic, continuous, unlimited backup for your computer files. As little as $59 a year. Try it free at Carbonite.com when you use the offer code SECURITYNOW. And you get two bonus months with purchase. It's time for Security Now, the show that uh, secures you now. <laughs> Here he is, the secure in chief, our explainer in chief, the man with the plan, Mr. Stephen Gibson. Hey, Steve. With his feet on the ground and his head in the cloud. Head in the cloud. I want to thank Iaz for filling in last week. Did a great job. and uh, But I'm glad to be back. I missed you. Well, and we missed you. And I'm so aware of how much I depend upon the continuity of our episodes because what you missed last week was really fun and interesting. It was, first first of all, it was nominally a Q&A, but it was the first Q&A where I didn't even have a chance to open the mailbag. So <laughs> it was God all tweets. All tweets. <laughs> yeah, it was 21 tweets. Wow. It was wow. our first fully Twitter-driven episode of security now because there was so much reaction to the episode before that you and i did right where we did this huge you know quick survey of cloud storage solutions and and by the, the way i got one complaint and i'm just gonna i'm gonna get you off the hook here about uh how uh, i described voila and uh, somebody said, oh, you don't understand. You guys don't understand at all. And that was not you, Steve, at all. Steve hadn't looked at Walla. It was me. So any errors committed in that portion accrue to me and me alone. Well, at least you pronounce it correctly. I have a problem pronouncing it. <laughs> Walla. You got that part right. <laughs> at least I got the name right. <laughs> um, so uh, shortly after you and I recorded two weeks ago, a couple people responded saying, what about Backblaze? And I looked at Backblaze, and it was a classic example of really good people with good intentions doing crypto wrong. And they didn't apparently understand that they had done it wrong. And so I opened up a dialogue with the co-founder and CEO um, and made sure that I understood that they had done it wrong. And unfortunately, I was right that they were wrong. And then, uh, so last week was uh, taking, basically responding to all kinds of the feedback that we had from the episode you and I did, and then 
taking a deep dive into what it was that they did that was wrong. And and just so you're up to speed, they haven't, first of all, it looks like a very nice company, good people, and I have no reason to mistrust them at all. But what I, what I tweeted was, after I looked at it, was they were not TNO. They were not trust no one. Yet their documentation made that very unclear. They implied that users could add a password that would then encrypt their storage over at Backblaze. But in fact, the way they were doing this was completely broken. They, they create a, a public key pair, a, you know, a, an asymmetric key pair. You have the public key. They have the private key. When you encrypt something, it, you, the, the encryption generates a random key, a symmetric key, to encrypt a file. That's all good. But then it encrypts that with your public key and deletes the record of it. Then ships it to them, to Backblaze for cloud storage. At this point, you can't decrypt it. Only they can decrypt it. <laughs> Whoops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just nuts. And so, so then they say, yeah, but if someone uses a password, then that's safe. Except that you provide your password to them for them to use that to encrypt the private key. And if you ever want to look at your stuff, you've got to provide it again so they can decrypt the private key. So, so I mean, the point is that it's all, like, wrong. The, you know, they are the only people who can decrypt your data once you ship it to them. And even if briefly... Them, they are decrypting it, and they have to decrypt it. So we went into that in some detail, and um, and you know, so it was a, uh, I think, a really interesting episode. This week, um, one, one one of the things that I said with you two weeks ago was that I could sort of see some pressure toward what I was calling a hybrid cloud solution. We've got, as you know, since. Since you and I were last together two weeks ago, Google Drive has announced and messed up all of our Gmail um, or G, uh, Google Docs, rather. And, um, and Microsoft uh, upped their free SkyDrive to 25 gigs for people who were already using it as like a loyalty bump. And so there are all these free services. And of course, Dropbox is very popular, but we know that Dropbox is not secure. That is, and in their, in their privacy policy, they explain that they'll make their, you know, your data available to agencies that request it under, you know, court order and so forth. So, so what I'm, what I'm calling hybrid solutions are those where you want the features that these, these existing providers offer. For example, in Microsoft's case, there, there's all kinds of things, and, and Google applies too, certainly, all kinds of things, special things that they can do when they can see your data. And, and, and many people want those features. But at the same time, it'd be nice to have a cubbyhole in that service where you can also put things that are just black. 
They're just, you know, black ops. No one and nothing can see into those. And so this week, I want to look at crypto done right, as opposed to last week where we saw how it, you know, well-intentioned crypto could go wrong. Three apps, one of which is so good for the Mac that it makes me want to switch from Windows. Wow. Uh, that good. And we, wow. It's really nice. Yeah. And we've got some neat Twitter feedback and news and so forth. So Excellent. Uh, we'll get into it. Um, I wanted to note that uh, the version 12 of Firefox is out. And that happened. Um, that was announced on on Security Now last week. And what they did with version 12, Leo, is they are they've engineered around the user account control pop up in Windows. They've got a process that they're really? able to start. That doesn't yeah. seem like a good idea. Well, unfortunately, this is they're trying to get. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I brought I brought up that point last week because you'd hope that the bad guys, you know, can't. Somehow. If there's a way to do that, we don't really want to publish <laughs> publicize that. So. But but the problem is what what we and we've talked about this before where we know Mozilla is trying to go where Google has gone with transparent updates so that it's so that it's just continually keeping itself current and fixing problems on the fly without requiring any user interaction. So this so version twelve, which is now out, is um, it. Of, it's not quite to automatic seamless updates, but they have now avoided the user account control so that they, presumably with proper protection, are able to update without providing you with, without putting that dialogue in your face. And with 13, which is now in beta, they've finished that, or they will when it, when it comes out of beta. Um, the cool thing is that 13 enables speedy by default so yes so we, yes Yay. so we now have Mo mozilla's firefox and and google's chrome both with speedy present debugged working and enabled which is a good thing it'll put pressure on the remaining browsers because these guys and of course it will in provide additional incentive for the server side to to bring up speedy support just to you know, globally and in general support or improve uh, cloud-based experiences. Now, the other thing that I just saw is really interesting also. We talked last week about how, or maybe it was two weeks ago, because I think I remember discussing it with you, how with Apple's Java fixes to deal with the flashback Trojan problem, they're now disabling Java by default. And if you re-enable it because you need it, if you don't keep using it, it automatically re-disables itself. Good. I mean, to yes, <laughs> re-disable. Really, <laughs> it goes to sleep again. Time out. Yes, it's like, okay, well, we're going to go back into protection mode. Now, what Firefox has done, and this has just happened, is they're proactively disabling back versions of Java. So if you aren't updating your Java, you can't use it because, I mean, they've been concerned oh, that's enough. that's interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. They've been concerned enough about the, the exploits, you know, when, when studies are done that show of the people who are not updating Java 
constantly being infected due to Java vulnerabilities, they're saying, look, we know that it's obsolete. Let's just, uh, you know, I mean, that, that, that it's a, 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 a vulnerable version. Let's just shut that down. And, and if a user wants to use Java, you got to update it. And so, you know, these are, you know, it's unfortunate that we have to be proactive this way, but it's the only way at this point in our evolution of personal computing on the web uh, to handle this. So I'm, I'm really glad for it. And Kaspersky came out with the announcement um, a few days ago claiming that Apple is 10 years behind Microsoft on security. And I thought, huh, okay. And this was, you know, Eugene Kaspersky's log or blog. And I looked at it and, you know, I guess I know what they're saying, but I disagree. Um, Apple gets a, reaps a huge benefit from having the experience of Microsoft. You know, certainly 10 years ago, Microsoft was getting a lot of arrows in its back. It was it was very slow to adopt the security practices that many people were asking of them. And you'll remember, Leo, I mean, we've been doing the podcast, what, for seven and a half years. Yeah. How many times did I say, why do we have scripting in email? Right. Why do we have scripting in email? Because, I mean, it was used to be so stupid that you could just, you know, that you could receive email that would run code. And, you know, it took a long time for that to get fixed. And, you know, why is the firewall not turned on? Well, it took a long time to get that turned on. So, so what I think is, it is true that the whole ecosystem that Apple has is, is somewhere lagging behind, but it's not 10 years. And by the ecosystem, I include, for example, the users who are going to have to understand that it's you know, not the case that Macs can't get viruses. I mean, we you know the 600,000 instances of, of flashback that infected Macs demonstrate that, well, yes, you know, they can. I mean, they're just computers. In this case, of course, it was a Java exploit that, that, was, that, that was allowing the stuff to get into them. So, you know, I, I don't think it's 10 years. I don't even know if it's right to put a time frame on it. But the good news is I know even though Apple... Apple, I guess anyone is not responding as quickly as we want. We're not happy with Adobe, with, with you know, anything Adobe does. And, we, you know, we'd like Apple to be more proactive. They, flashback happened because they dragged their heels on updating their Java client for, for Safari and, you know, and, and for the Mac. Um, and they learned the lesson of what happens if you drag your heels. Now, that was a huge black eye for them. So, you know, they may have to learn the lesson a few more times, but they have the the substantial advantage of, of having seen Microsoft dance the same dance and 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 learn from it. So I think that's good. Um, there is if you if you click the link, Leo, if you want to show people on the video side, this next link that Ars Technica, wonderful and interesting browser adoption graphs. Okay. Uh, for for our listeners, I also just tweeted this. So if you go to twitter.com slash sggrc, um, up near the top of the feed is uh, some really interesting graphs that just demonstrate over time what's happening with, with 
with with competition among browsers and how the the user share is changing and also some cool charts lower down showing for example you know we've talked about how firefox's major versions have gone from glacial to almost too quick and these really nice charts demonstrate and show over time just sort of the the user population changes of the various browsers um uh, and I just sort of liked it, so I wanted to bring that to our listeners' attention. I think everyone would get a kick out of just you know browsing through those and looking at the at the various percentages. Yeah, especially as they change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now we know that one of the drivers, I guess, the most reliable driver of investment in malicious conduct is cash. For the longest time. Um, Hackers seem to be delighting in viruses, just doing them because they could. They didn't make any money, but and that was one of the the conundrums. The people said, "Well, why why are these viruses in our computer? What do they do?" I mean, they rarely were they really destructive, but they were just annoying. Then we began to see, as of course the web ecosystem in general of money with, you know, Google demonstrating that you can make money with ads and so forth began to create an economic model. Um, There was a really interesting analysis by Symantec of the way the Mac flashback Trojan worked. They analyzed the ad clicking component of it to understand what it did. And quoting from their blog, they said, the flashback ad-clicking component is loaded into Chrome, Firefox, and Safari, where it can intercept all get and post requests made by the browser. Flashback specifically targets search queries made on Google, and depending upon the search query, may redirect users to another page of the attacker's choosing where they receive revenue from the click. Google never receives the intended ad revenue click. The ad click component parses out requests resulting from an ad click on Google search and determines if it is on a whitelist. If not, it forwards the request to the malicious server. Intercepted requests show a revenue of 0.8 cents for the click. Based on the virulence and the number of machines that were known to be affected, and we know what that number was because remember that um, you and I talked about this, the crypto used to generate the domain names was was reverse engineered, and I think it was Kaspersky, I can't quite remember. Somebody reverse engineered the crypto, registered the domain name, and then for a while had all of the bots phoning in for, for directions, and so was able to count them clearly. The bottom line, when you multiply this all out, is that that botnet was generating $10,000 a day Wow! for the flashback gang. Wow. Well, so, not surprising. And, and doing so for something like five years. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, they made a lot of money. So, so... It's a, pro- Here, this it's is a profit pro- this, deal. This is a problem. <laughs> yes. Be- be- this is a problem. Be- because... Well, they had four million... At one point, they had four million machines corrupted. So, 
that's where I'm sure that number comes from the maximum. Yeah, and if you do the math, I mean, that's, that's not hard you know, to figure out. Yeah, it's a lot of machines, mm -hmm. and so there is now. This goes from from script kiddies saying, "Oh, isn't this fun?" to organized crime hiring computer professionals or you know black hat professionals to to make this stuff happen. I mean, right. it really does. It it changes it from a lark to a business model. If you can make $10,000 a day while it lasts. Right. So, yay. Um, and I did have a note here about all the controversy over Google's Google Drive's terms of service. Um, CNET called it a toxic brew. Um, and they said Google isn't about to make your, your private files public, but that doesn't excuse its sloppy terms of service. And I never got around to digging down and developing my own opinion over I what I thought this about if that. You want. Yes, do. It, it, if I, you know, would think that Google would have learned because this happens every single time a service, uh, even Firefox, Facebook. What happens is the lawyers say, "Well, look, Google, you're going to make maintain copies of this in order to share it. You have to maintain copies on your servers." So they write very broad language. That's and this is this is what Rafe points out in his article on CNET that is in kind of in conflict with their initial statement, which is we are going we're to protect. On your side. Yeah, we're on your side. <laughs> you always own your content. We have no intention to publish publish it publicly. And in fact, there's no facility within Google Docs to publish it publicly. However, in the in the language, the lawyers always take the broadest uh, approach, which says we reserve the right to. Uh, use this, copy this in any way, in any form, in any fashion. And furthermore, and I think this is probably what most concerns people, we, we reserve the right to use it to improve our services. And I think that uh, people are always scared when they read this copy. And Google should have known. Uh, the point Rafe makes is they could have written it more narrowly. Not that, the point he's making is not that Google intends some nefarious use for this, but merely that this was sloppily written. Um, but this is what always happens in all these agreements. We we saw it with Pinterest. We see it again and again. When you upload or otherwise submit content to our services, you give Google and those we work with a worldwide license to use, host, store, reproduce, modify, create derivative works, such as those <laughs> resulting from translations, adaptations, or other changes we make so that your content works better with our services, communicate, oh. publish, publicly perform, publicly at display, and distribute such content. That's boilerplate. They And, and they should have written that properly. Yeah, and, and, and in other words, our attorneys tell us right. that there's no way you can possibly sue us. Yeah. No matter what we do, they do based say, on what we've just said we might do. They do then say the rights you grant in this license are for limited purposes of operating, promoting, and improving our services and to develop new ones. And they say at the very beginning in a preamble, uh, you retain ownership of any intellectual property rights you hold in that content. What belongs to you stays yours. They try to address this. But, you know, by now they ought to know. <laughs> the first thing that happens when a new terms of service comes out is everybody that looks at everybody it. looks at it, and the first thing they look for is that line that says we retain worldwide license to do whatever we want with your stuff and everybody says well you know that leaves google uh, a, a giant barn door opening to 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 to, to steal our stuff um so while i don't think that's google's intent 
they really sh- it's by now you ought to know guys when you write one of these things that somebody's going to look at it and complain it's always the same this is the same thing we hear every time because remember yeah. in order to put this they have to your content lives on many many google servers right and if i if when you share a doc with me they have to make a copy into my thing all of the things they're asking for the right to do allows them to do all that they should have been a little narrower and say hey what but this is just for this purpose this purpose we won't expose it publicly et cetera, et cetera. Which, which actually, you know, that's a perfect segue into today's topic because today's topic is how to ter- make something like Google Drive really safe. Ah, because, that sounds good. Yeah, because the, the idea is you want, you, want the, you want the services that Google can only offer, as you just said, right. by having some visibility into your data. But for some stuff... You'd like to also be able to drop documents there where it actually doesn't matter what they say because they can't do anything with it. It just looks like pseudo-random noise to them. They can scratch their head. The only thing they could do is delete it. Right. But, you know, presumably they have no reason to do that. But they, they, you know, just, they, they can't see into it. They can't check the copyright. They can't do anything. So, so that, that, that is why... I think we're going to see hybrid solutions like what we'll be talking about today where crypto is done right and you get the best of both worlds. You get all of the features that are only available if, for example, Google can index them while you also have the option of creating a black box that they just can't see into. Very cool. That's what we need. I have a new section that I'm just going to call notes from the cloud because because I I keep getting people tweeting me, hey, how about this one? And how about that one? It's like, oh, my God, there's just an endless number. (laughs) There really are. This is a very popular category. (laughs) Yes. and, And so my goal, just so that people aren't, you know, glazing over as they listen to yet a third episode on cloud storage, which is what we're going to do today, is first of all, I'm obviously we're not doing, covering the same territory week after week. We're taking different aspects of it. My goal is to partly to make me focus on this so that I'm able to develop a more mature understanding of what's there because our listeners want to know and and I have to know in order to to translate this into okay, well, is this crypto? you know, right or not. And also, I'd like us all collectively to get some sense for the state of the art in what is clearly going to be a very important segment in the future and where arguably security is one of the most significant things, which just happens to be the topic of, you know, the overriding topic of the podcast. So, so... I got a note from Terry Holman, who tweeted uh, at Terry Holman about something called SimForm, S-Y-M-F-O-R-M dot com. And what I know about it is is only enough to just say, I just sort of want to, these are just little bullets that if something I say scratches somebody's interest, then they can go look. Because this thing is free for up to 200 gig. Huh. It's plain and simple storage sharing. Mm. You get as much as you share. 
So that's not for me. I don't want that's that. The, that's the Walla uh, model, which, by the way, Walla apparently has kind of turned its back on. Backed, it backed away from, yes. Yeah. What, I, what, what was cool about Walla was that, as we discussed briefly, is they did a sophisticated... So they had a sophisticated system, but you know, it, it sort of came out of academia too. Right, I mean, it was right. sort of like, could you know, could this sort of thing work? The idea being, you know, I, I described it as like a raid array, where in a raid you you've got redundancy built in to all the copies, so that several of them could disappear and you could still reassemble the whole. So that was sort of a cool academic concept that somebody said, hey, let's let's sell this and. That's what they're doing. My argument with them is that they're Java hosted and they're making money. And I just think, how hard is it to write a native client? You know, write one for Windows and write one for Mac. Now you're done. You know, it's instead of like you forcing everyone to have Java installed in order to run your cloud backup service. I mean, if it was free, okay, maybe. But you're making money. So hire a programmer. Who knows Windows? And hire a different one who knows the Mac. Yeah. You know, give That's us a, a good real idea. client. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so so sim s y m f o r m dot com. If you like the idea of free storage for like free backup for up to two hundred gigs, you want two hundred gigs remoted from your machine. You're willing to give as much as you get. Then this looks like an interesting service. I don't know anything about it beyond that. So, um, so there. <laughs> and then, oh my goodness! And here's one from Craig um, Shapacher, S C H A P P A C H E R, who tweeted about smestorage.com. This thing, I, my eyes just glazed over with its unbelievable range of options. Um, they say manage all your cloud files in a single unified view. Um, you can get, for example, Google's free storage, Microsoft's free storage, Dropbox's free storage, um, everybody's free storage. And then this thing will hook into all of them at once and aggregate them. So you don't have to pay anybody for their the, for over what they offer you for free, yet you get redundancy. It can copy between them in case those go down. And it, it, it's able to sort of give you a, a merged result. And they've got every platform also. Linux, Windows, Mac uh, for desk drives and for sync. And iOS, Android, BlackBerry, and Windows Phone 7. So it's smestorage.com and... You know, just wanted to let people know <laughs> about that also. But, you know, no deeper dive at this point. And then a couple things uh, from the Twitterverse. Um, Brian Hall, who is a, uh, he's described himself as a husband, dad, geek, and IT professional. Also the creator of Wishybox, W-I-S-H-Y-B-O-X.com. Uh, he's described it as a simple, free, universal wish list of some sort. I didn't go there to look what it was, but he says, why is it so hard for online syncing and backup services to enable client-side pre-internet encryption? And they also tweeted, if an online backup syncing service were to enable pre-internet encryption, would that break syncing between different machines? 
And and I like this because it it highlighted where we're going to go today, which is if you pre-internet encrypt, then you are only giving the service completely opaque blocks of data. They can't do anything with it. They 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 if they have an intelligent client at your end and you make changes, they could see that only parts of the blocks changed and so not be re-uploading the whole thing. Um, if you were to compress it first, the problem there is that then small changes tend to propagate through the rest of the file, causing you to upload a lot of information redundantly. But sometimes if you've got the bandwidth, these things don't have, they're, they're free for upload. So it definitely is a trade-off. As for why it's so hard for them to do the encryption, um, I can only say that, that that's a bit of a mystery. I, I, think, I think our audience is, by its nature, is in the same way that our audience is over-concerned, for example, with internet tracking, we're maybe over-concerned with internet security. Some people just want the backup. They think, hey, no one cares about my photos yeah, and my docs. That's kind of how I, just, I feel. <laughs> yeah. And I don't put anything there that I don't want anybody to see. Well, and see, I'm willing to because I, given that it's encrypted, I understand it really, really, right. really cannot be cracked. Right. And and so so yeah, it, it's it's both ways. You know, I, we have all that Google. We have I'm at we have all these docs up on Google Docs. It's super convenient that I can put them up there. You can grab them. You know, we don't care if anyone looks at at that stuff. It's just you know, it's it's public anyway. So there's certainly applications for it being wide open and unencrypted. Yet at the same time, people are are considering like backing up their whole hard drive. And there is stuff there that they would not like to to have get out. Um, I think I'm going to skip some of these. <laughs> wonderful and tasty. They're all is. they're all wonderful, but uh, yes, yeah. Oh, there is one thing I wanted to mention because we're recording today. Today, apparently May second only. So, people who get the podcast I today, I did it. I did it. Go or ahead. are listening live. Yeah. The uh, Amazon has reduced the price of the Kindle oh, DX. That's a different one. One hundred and twenty dollars off. Off today. Yes. Oh wow. Um, Do I, I want one? You have one. I know you love yours. I have one. I got one off of eBay for mom because I wanted her to have a white one that's no longer available. She loves it. I I do all my reading on it, despite the fact that I have every other one they make or have ever made. It's. I just like the bigger screen. I like having more text on there and paging less often. It's not like I don't like to page, but I don't know. It just it feels right to me. And I got a couple tweets back. I, I I tweeted this. So anybody, there is a funky link that you've got to use to find it. So it's in my Twitter feed. Um, again, twitter.com/sggrc, and you'll find it there. It's May second only. They're calling it a Mother's Day you know, pre-Mother's Day offer um, just for today. And uh, so it brings the price down with their leather cover to two ninety nine. I mean, so it's still pricey compared yeah. to the, you know, $79 one. Yeah. But normally it's four, you know, north of $400. So um, anyway, I just want to let people know 
in case they were interested. Also, um, for those who loved the Lost Fleet series, Robert Spivey uh, tweeted, Hey, Steve, you should mention for the sci-fi fans on Security Now, the latest Lost Fleet book was released on 5.1, Beyond the Frontier, Invincible. And yes, my copy came yesterday. So I do indeed know. I don't know when I'm going to get to it, though, because I'm deep into health stuff at the moment. Um, we also, should mention, and since you said the word, okay, <laughs> that in order to protect the gentle ears of you, our listeners, we're, we're not going to do any health stuff on this show, but Steve is going to do a health special this week. Yes. Uh, something, since I last talked to you, Leo, two weeks ago, I have had some amazing stuff happen. Mm-hmm. Completely mm-hmm. unexpected. Completely, I just didn't expect it. Um, I figured out what was going on. I dropped the reading I was doing, switched to something else, had been deep into some new research. I have stats and numbers and uh, something really, really cool. We will be able to tell people what it was next week, but you and I are going to do a special on Sunday but for an hour at 2 p.m. between 2 and 3 from the end of your Tech Guy show and before the beginning of um, your Sunday Twit program. Yes. Uh, and anybody who's interested in health stuff, um, all I can say is I you will not be disappointed. This is – and, Leo, we're going to have fun. Oh, I can't wait. I, I would say it's – the reason – I, I, it's, I don't think it's necessary to preempt security now, as I did once for the vitamin D episode. I, I felt better about that because all I was asking people to do is take a pill. And anybody, <laughs> anybody can do this that. This is more serious now. This Well, this requires you thinking about if you want to do this, but um, I am never going back. My life has been changed. My life has been changed forever. I'm not kidding you. It's been changed forever. Wow. And you and I think yours will be too because you're the kind of guy who will be willing to try this. I'm going to give you the motivation based on what I have learned and what has happened to me that I have measured and documented. And I, I know we've got listeners who will, if nothing else, find this interesting and maybe it'll plant some seeds. So we're going to do an hour-long special, the second special about uh, my interest in and hobby in health. And we should, we'll, we'll have all the disclaimers at the beginning of the show uh, on of Sunday. Course. But tune in, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern. Uh, that is 2100 UTC on Sunday. And uh, Steve won't tell me anything else. No. <laughs> it's a surprise. <laughs> okay. Uh, I did want to reiterate something because several people have loved what I stumbled on. I don't know if you know, Leo, that there is a really fantastic web interface uh, for TweetDeck now. Ah. Web.tweetdeck.com. And it looks exactly, I mean, it's like, it's amazing. And Iaz just, well, he's no fan of TweetDeck. I guess when they updated it or when Twitter bought it, he lost all of his column settings and that pissed him off and he abandoned it. But a number of people agreed with me saying it is really impressive. I'm just... I look at it and I'm amazed what we can now do with HTTP. I mean, it runs on, I, I ran it on 
Firefox and on Chrome, just as two, you know, my two browsers that I normally use most. Oh, and, and IE, it, it just, it's it's TweetDeck on a web page, working perfectly. Yeah, it is amazing, isn't it? So wow, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm I'm just very impressed. Okay, now, sci-fi update. I tweeted, "Am I the last person <laughs> to know?" about this and no i am actually (laughs) i think oh my god leo this thing looks unbelievable this is ridley scott who gave us the of course famously the first alien movie that blew our minds um has done a prequel and and if if anybody is interested it's called prometheus imdb Dot com internet movie database it's right on it's on the home page of imdb.com right now uh the latest trailer which is about two and a half minutes long and careful though because i mean it is a spoiler for people i tweeted this and i got some people saying wow more than tidbits it's you know there's a lot there but oh my god it look oh I, it's june 8th is the release so we don't have to wait forever. So I'm almost glad that I'm the second to the last person to know because otherwise it'd be one of those like, oh, yeah, you know, in 2014. It's like, oh, well, great. You know, it's soon. And, oh, it, it is, you know, oh, well, I've said enough. IMDB.com. It's called Prometheus. It's all over YouTube. Lots of really good trailers. And uh, it just looks fantastic. So I'm really pleased. Oh, and Chronicle comes out. Uh, for release on disc next week, um, which was the the sci-fi movie I did not see in the theater because I assumed it would come out quickly. That's where the three or four teenagers go walk, you know, yeah. see a hole in the ground. Yeah, I want to see then that. They, yeah. Something happens and then they start acquiring superpowers. Right. But this is sort of like the dark side, uh, like what would happen if Henry had superpowers? <laughs> <laughs> no! Okay, go ahead. My, Henry's my son, for those of you who don't know. <laughs> And uh, and he does. You have, he thinks imagine, he has superpowers. Anyway, you can imagine that not might not turn out so well. Yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. If there was nothing to restrain him, <laughs> if he actually could do anything he wanted, oh, yeah. oh all hell would break. Well, loose. you know, he he has been studying uh, UFC, uh, kickboxing, and uh, mixed martial arts. So I'm terrified of him. Anyway, he practically does have superpowers. I think he could. <laughs> I think he could kill me with a look if he uh, if he decided to. But don't so, tell him that. Um, I did want to say to people, I've had a number of people say, what was that book that Leo likes so much that you'd recommended? So I just wanted to, we're not going to spend any time on it, but it's Deadly Harvest by Jeff, G-E-O-F-F Bond. Um, I like it as much as I did. I think it's the place to start for understanding uh, for acquiring a really solid view of of an approach to diet and what we'll talk about you and I for an hour on Sunday is some surprises mm. that I mean that really like I said I think probably have changed my life forever wow um but I but you're not eschewing what we have learned no, 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 no. Okay. No. This was the, this is all, it, it was an interesting catalyst and 
But you've gone beyond now. I've I've really gone. I've gone where many people have gone before, but I'm staying here. Okay. It's it's good. I need something. So whatever you say, I'm doing. I'm I'm I think I think you and others will say, wow, that works. I'm going to try it. Uh, Speaking of what works, I got a note from John Newcomb who said, Spinrite kudos. Dear Steve, just wanted to tell you how much I appreciate you for all the great info I get from your podcast with Leo Laporte. You have such a wonderful radio personality, and with Leo, you guys are a great team. I recently bought a copy of Spinrite that I have added to my bag of tricks. I'm a computer tech and work for a company who serves the dental industry. Spinrite has already saved me a lot of time. I was in an office the other day working on a machine that would not fully boot Windows. So I ran Spinrite, and it recovered several bad sectors, which then allowed me to image the drive, which I couldn't before, and install a new one. Thanks for making my job so much easier. Your software works so well in using it and observing all the little details. I think it's clear how much care you put into it. Sincerely, John Newcomb, Oakland, California. So, John, thank you for sharing that with me and our listeners. And as I remember, uh, we're going to take a break for our Carbonite ad, and we'll get to uh, your new three cloud solutions, including one that makes you want to go to the Mac. Oh, oh Leo, I think you're, I think this is the one for you. I'm going to have to rethink. You know, I've got Google installed, a Google Drive installed now, and I've got uh, Spider Oak. You're going to you're going to throw me a curve. All right, all right, I'm ready. Before we do that, though, I will talk about Carbonite. Now, you mentioned Carbonite and, and I think said nice things about it uh, yep. a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but, of course, it's not really intended to be cloud storage per se. It's a backup solution. It just gives you kind of a cloud storage angle as well. And certainly when we talk about pricing, uh, it is the most affordable out there. Less than 5 bucks a month for everything on your internal drive for a single computer. They have external drive and business pricing as well, small business pricing as well. C-A-R-B-O-N-I-T-E dot com, Mac or PC, although I should say it's PC only uh, for the, um, for the uh, you know, the, the extra drive stuff and all of that. They haven't got a Mac client yet. They, you know, I think they kind of have your attitude, Steve, get a Mac guy to do the, or Mac gal or Mac somebody to do, Mac developer to do the Mac stuff so that it's native. Yep. And uh, that that has slowed them down in the past. I know Carbonite. Uh, they actually pulled back their Mac client because they weren't uh, originally, and this was some years ago, because they weren't happy with the Macishness of it. They take that very seriously. They are Mac users as well. And as I think actually there are more features on the Windows platform there are. Than, on, than on the Mac there platform are. at the moment. Yeah, and they're working and they're working on that. I know because they are they do love the Mac. But just so you know, certainly for the basic backup solution, it is absolutely fantastic and very affordable. Fifty nine dollars a year. Uh, it is unlimited. It is, as you uh, mentioned, it does support pre-ingress, pre-internet encryption, uh, pre-egress, I think you call it, P or PI, uh, which means you're absolutely secure. You and you alone control the uh, the key, although there are limitations if you do that, as there are with anything. Um, i tell you what, I think the best thing to do is try this. It's free for two weeks. You don't need a credit card, just the offer code security now. Uh, try it on your Mac, on your PC. See what it does. See how you like it. It backs up continuously, automatically when you're online. Uh, uses your internet connection, so that's one of the reasons we like you to try it. Make sure that uh, you have enough bandwidth upstream and so forth. If you decide to buy, use security now again. You'll get 14 months for the price of 12, making it really affordable. 
uh, a very good solution, I think, for people who want backup that's automatic, continuous, cloud storage. They have clients, by the way, for Windows, uh, I'm sorry, for um, iPhone and Android phone and for tablets as well. Carbonite.com, offer code security now. A great backup solution that just happens to give you some cloud storage as well. Well, and I think that's, I mean, for example, as you know, as I mentioned before, that's what I set Jenny up with for her laptop. Yeah. Because she, she's, she's an author and is writing stuff. Yeah, she boy, is, if you're an author. Pff, she's, she's not a computer person. You know, exactly. I, I have so, a friend who, a uh, very well-known author, I won't say, but uh, remember that Berkeley Fire about 15 years ago lost a novel in it. Uh, and if you're an and never by you know you lose a novel you got to start over <laughs> all her backups are burned so it's very serious if you're an author if you're creating anything that you can't afford to lose it's very important to consider your backup after i guess you start over after you've recovered from your depression <sighs> well you know the guy who wrote invisible man only wrote one novel because he lost his second <laughs> ralph ellison and he's very famous for invisible man uh, but we never got a second Ralph Ellison novel because he, I can't remember how it was, it was a fire or what, but he lost his second novel and had, and just didn't have the uh, will to start over. Yeah. Isn't that horrible? Yeah. So back it up, okay? I don't, <laughs> and maybe you want to use one of these solutions. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. I'm excited to hear what you've got. Okay. So I went off a little half cocked about this one. Uh, uh, okay, because I I loved the cleverness of their crypto. Uh, this is one called Cloud Fogger from some guys in Germany. Uh, sort of a funky name, you know, like foggy clouds or, you know, the idea being that it obscures what's in the cloud. It's Cloud Fogger, F-O-G-G-E-R.com. Um, the reason I want, and I, I tweeted about it, a bunch of people looked at it. Um, and then when I actually tried to use it, I was a little put off only because it's very new. And while the crypto is done right and cleverly, it, it, it just doesn't feel very mature yet. For example, it, a Windows application has to be multi-threaded so that there's a user interface thread which keeps the user interface alive while other threads are busy doing stuff in the background. This, appear, this appears not to have that. So that what it, for example, it is, a, it is a, an encryption utility. All three of these uh, are encryption utilities wh where they allow you to create a virtual drive on your machine, which maps to a folder somewhere else. That could be a folder in the cloud. So like a folder in your Dropbox or a folder in your SkyDrive or a folder in your G Drive. And the idea being you don't mess with that. You mess with the virtual drive. Anything you put in the virtual drive, it seamlessly encrypts and places in this folder, which then the cloud service says, oh, there's a new file in the folder, and then it, it separately sends that off, off to the cloud. So they, for example, don't allow you to, as they're setting it up, tell it where you want to install, 
which really annoys me. It you know it just puts it under program files, cloud fogger. But I've got my hard drive organized differently. So you know, like by categories of subfolders under a, 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 under a different directory. So I like and and so I like to be able to say, oh, this goes under you know cloud. I have a new f- category even called cloud st- for for cloud stuff. But I couldn't do that. Um, it also, by default, as- assumes that you want to map X as your drive. Doesn't give you a choice. But I already have X mapped for something, and W is is a is a map I already have, and so it worked its way back up to V, which was the first one free. But it took forever. Meanwhile, this single thread in the user interface just locked the whole thing up. It's like it, you know, and I'm sure Windows users have seen where up in the title bar, it'll say not responding because Windows at some point realized that users were being confused by this, by the fact that the app was not really well written for interaction. Um, And so Windows takes responsibility for posting that into the title bar. If the app is no longer coming back and picking up events from the from the UI event queue, so you know these things can be fixed, and I think they will be. Um, it's only Windows currently, and actually I put Windows paren sort of in my notes, and Android sort of, but so they have those, and, and it's going to get better. And they are promising Mac OS X and iOS, so you know that's hopefully going to come. Um, and for me. I let it sit there for a couple days and noticed it had used up a quarter gig of memory and it was kind of silently creeping up. So I posted an update on in Twitter saying, whoops, this thing seems to be burning up RAM. And I got some people who said, well, I'm under Windows 7 X64 and it's not doing that for me. And I did see other people saying, yep, me too. So, you know, there's some things that they need to deal with. Also, I was thinking of when you're talking about the, the uh, end-user license agreement problems, they also had a little problem with their, with their EULA. There was, a, there was a paragraph 10 that everyone started tweeting about after, actually after I brought this to everyone's attention because it was one of those overly broad, you know, everything that you have is ours um, yeah. uh, statements which they immediately fixed and yeah. backed out of and yeah. and blogged, you know, we're sorry, we didn't really mean it, we just weren't thinking, blah, blah, blah. Same, same sort of thing. But they're crypto. The crypto is right and the crypto is clever. They've solved a couple problems in a way that no one else has that I liked. So let's get a little techie for a second. Um, this is file-by-file file encryption. When you... When you have them encrypt a file because you, you drop a file onto the virtual drive. So what you're dropping is a file in the clear, so-called plain text in crypto speak. They, they use a pseudo-random number generator to, and they're using a very popular crypto package. It's crypto CC. As, if memory serves me right, I think it's CryptoCC.com, in fact, is the site. It's a well-vetted, nice, good choice for a crypto library. Um, so they, they use a pseudo-random number generator to generate a 256-bit AES key. So that's randomly generated, and that's the key that they use to encrypt the file. 
So now the file is unreadable and we've got this key. When you install the system, um, they generate a public and private key pair. And the symmetric key, which they just, this random symmetric key, is then encrypted using your public key so that now the only thing that can decrypt it is your private key. And that that's yours to have and to hold. Now, the cool addition is that you're able to share this with other users of CloudFogger. So you can set up a community. Oh, and I forgot to mention, this is free. Uh, 100% free currently. They're, what they say on their site, and I'm sure they'll honor this, is that if you get it now, what it is and what it does will always be free for you. And it's unlimited size, no random arbitrary, we're going to you know, make you pay if you're over two gigs or something. So it's completely free. It's one of the reasons I liked it so much was my sense is that for this class of application, it ought to either be free or it ought to be pay once. I can't see somebody saying to just do this, we want you to pay X amount of dollars per month. That's just not enough. You know, it's like, what and then also pay the cloud storage provider that whose whose storage I'm using that doesn't make any sense. So this is free forever. Their plans are you know they're they're wanting to promote this and and to establish themselves because they're very new, and then they'll offer additional features. We don't know what they're not saying what, but you know that you may have to pay for only if you want to. What what they are offering now. If you get it, you'll never have to pay. So I think that's cool. And I'm sure they'll mature this over time, get more platform support, fix their little, you know, Windows UI problems. I mean, it works. Many people played with it after I tweeted about it and, and had no trouble. So what's clever is that if you want to share this with people, then then the the symmetric key which is used to encrypt the file can have can also be encrypted with with other people's public keys so for example if i want to share this with somebody else i get their public key through the system and i encrypt the this 256 bit symmetric key with their public key now they're the only people who can decrypt it. But the file can have multiple of these public key encryptions in its header. So essentially, you, you very easily, very nicely, with full TNO, full trust no one security, you can specify which of your group you want to be able to give access to. And since they have the matching private key, that allows them to decrypt this, and only they do, and we know how symmetric or asymmetric encryption works, that is public key encryption, you encrypt with one, you decrypt with the other, and that's, you know, that's the only way it works. That'll, that gives you really nice access control, and the file is then stored in the cloud, you know, wherever you want it to be, um, and, and you can control who has access. So I, I, I really like it. It's, it's 
simple, and it's done right. Now, they one very clever part is they solve the problem of password recovery. The problem that, as we discussed last week, that um, uh, God, I'm blanking on the name. Um, Backblaze. Uh, Backblaze. Backblaze. Thank Backblaze. you. Yes. Yeah. The, the 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 problem that Backblaze had is when we were discussing like why they did this. The the uh, co-founder and CEO said, "Well, yes, Steve. It's very nice if you know." Do you have TNO? But then the problem is password recovery. Users who lose their password are like they're 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 screwed. There's no nothing anyone can do to get it back. And I said, well, yes, there's some responsibility that comes with that. And they said, well, we've decided that we'd rather make it possible to give them their password back. Yeah, by asking for it. <laughs> okay. So no, that's fine, and then you have the choice. That's all. If you want to do that or not, well, right? If you're the kind of person well, who loses passwords and you want Backblaze to have access to your password and files, then you choose. Yes, that. and and the problem is they get they they Backblaze tells you that you can password protect it. Right. But the way that works is you give them your password and they encrypt your private key on their servers with your password. In their defense, so all- this is a very common choice. Lots of companies do this, including yes, Dropbox, I, by the way. That's I, a- did, I did say that, you know, their security is better than other people's. It's just not TNO. It doesn't survive the test of does plain text ever exist outside of your system, the systems under your control, and does any secret that is important ever exist outside of your control? And unfortunately, the the, the you know both of those they fail so tno says you know those will will always be true um what cloudfogger does is clever if if you want to enable password recovery if you're worried that you might lose your password and i just don't know how that's a problem but i you know again uh, you know, if Jenny were, if were using this, maybe that would be a problem. She'd say, oh, I forgot what I used. I was like, okay, well, now, you know, we're in trouble. Um, what they do is they, they hash your password and they have secure password hashing. We've talked about doing that 10,000 times in order to make it a slow process. They hash your password into 256-bit hash. They take half. They split it in half, and they take 128 bits of it, and that they save. You keep 128 bits on your system. Now, remember, this is the after-hash password. So you're, you're entrusting them with 128 bits of the hash after the password is hashed, and, and then the other 120 bits is stored on your system. Then if at some future time you can't remember what password you put in in order to generate all 256 bits, you scream for their help and they say, okay, we will mail you our half to the email address registered on your account. So they use an email loop to provide some security but they're only giving you half. And remember, 256 bits today is overkill. 128 bits is just fine. So 
They're only getting half. But the beauty is you need both halves. So when this comes in through email, that 128 bits is merged with 128 bits you, you still have to have on your machine. That generates the 256-bit result of hashing your password and gives you access to your, all your files, and then you can change your password. So I thought that was very clever. It's, it's a means of, of they never have the whole thing. You don't, you don't even on your machine have the whole thing because otherwise the danger would be somebody else could, could, could tinker around with your machine and get access to your files with no password. But And clearly, if somebody has unfettered access and can do the email loop, then there is that problem. So you don't have to do this, but, but if you want to enable it, it's a, it's a clever, you know, compromise, but still in a way, for example, that Backblaze doesn't do correctly, these guys did because they, they can help you recover, but they still never have enough to decrypt your files. So anyway, my sense is that it's it's it works. It runs under Windows. Eh, not ready for prime time, but it's brand new. And so you know, I cut them some slack. We'll keep an eye on them. We'll see how they do. Um, they're gonna they're gonna develop for multiple platforms. But you know, their crypto is good. They've got good solid crypto. Again, that's Cloudfogger. 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 Number two, Box Cryptor. I talked about it briefly two weeks ago, but just sort of glazed over it. I have since looked at it, and I am very impressed. This is very mature feeling. It's very nice guided setup. Oh, one thing about uh, Cloud Fogger that I wanted to also remind myself to tell you guys is due to the way they're doing this, File names are visible, and that's a problem. Mm. So, yeah. So they they put their own extension on the file name in order to disambiguate it from those that aren't their extension. And, and a number of people tweeted back, hey, my file names are visible. Well, that's a fundamental limitation of their approach. And I don't know if they're going to fix it or if they can, but... You know, that's, you know, leaking file names is annoying. So, uh, and the reason I, it, I just remembered is that Boxcryptor doesn't. There is, a, there is a project that somebody worked on over in the Linux world called the, the Encrypted File System, ENCFS. Wikipedia has a page about the Encrypted File System. It's a nicely designed generic, well-documented, cryptographically secure, and cryptographically encrypted file system. Um, it is, the, the clients are Windows Today and iOS and Android, and they don't yet have their own clients, but for the, for the Mac and uh, Linux, there is, there are existing encrypted file system drivers. So, for example, if you were a multi-platform person, you could, you could arrange to mount these 
the box cryptor encrypted file system so your Mac or Linux machine could see it. But I would not advise it. I would wait for the third uh, solution that we'll be talking about next if you're a Mac person. Because it's the, Such one, a that, tease. It's the one that makes me want to switch to Mac. It, it's so beautiful. For Windows, this is really nice. I've got it running now. I'm impressed. Uh, it, it feels smooth. You, for free, you get to, to play with it and to, to create one virtual drive. I don't think there's a limit on its size. But it's got me wanting to, to pay. And again, this fits my model for a hybrid solution. You pay once. It's not expensive. I think it's $29. And or uh, I think there's two versions. I think there's a personal and a commercial version. Um, but so you, you pay once for Windows. And this allows you to create a virtual drive. Uh, it walks you through the process. Um, they do have iOS and Android viewers, so you're able to to use those clients in order to see into your encrypted drive for for cross file sharing. So this is it. Just um, I like it very much. Um, uh, there's an advanced mode where you can do some funky things. For example, you can um, you can have different passwords for different sets of files in the same encrypted file system so that you could arrange to to give other people access to parts of your data and it's all explained they've got good documentation nice pdfs for their windows for their ios and their their android client and and i like it so i I did want to do it justice because i sort of just glazed over it last week we were doing alphabetical order and it's b for box cryptor so i looked how far we had to go and i thought well can't spend much time on this but i've now used it and i think they've done a great job so if windows ios and android fits um take a look at it i i see no downside and it does encrypt your file names there's a there's a little bit of leakage in as much as you can get a sense for the length of the file name because it has to be padded out to the block size of the encryption. So, uh, for example, I created an exclamation point dot text file, and it created a little blurch of pseudo-random characters that were like, you know, nine or ten long. And if I went beyond that, then it, cre- it jumped it up to, to 18 or 20, you know, wh- whatever it was. And there is, was one other thing, they're, they're, they're still working on support. The encrypted file system uses the entire path name of the file to initialize the encryption for the file and the file name their current implementation and and that's called iv initialization vector chaining their implementation doesn't have that yet so the same file name in different subdirectories has the same cryptographic name which is like a little annoying it'd be better if that were different because it, i mean it does tell you that it's, it's the same named file even if it's different contents but that's the kind of thing i think they will probably fix moving forward so uh i like it you can play with it for free and pay for it once and you've got very solid looking oh and i forgot to mention when you pay for it then you can you you get to add drives so not just one mapping between a virtual drive and 
a remote folder, but multiples. So if you did, if you were using Google Drive and Dropbox and SkyDrive, um, you could set up different drives and have things scattered all over the place and really confuse yourself. And finally, <laughs> yes. um, I've been waiting. The company is Haystack Software. I think it's a guy. Uh, or or gal, but I mean, not doesn't have a feel of a big organization, and I don't care because he's nailed this. The product is called Arc A R Q, and I just tweeted about it so that our listeners, our Mac users, could find it. Actually, it's funny because I said the deeper I dig into this, the more I'm impressed, and the more I wish I was a Mac user. And of course, you can imagine what came back. It's like, Steve, it's not hard to switch. Steve, <laughs> <laughs> Just give it a try, Gibson. And it's like, I uh, know. I mean, I, I, I'm a Windows developer, so I'm stuck here. <laughs> You're stuck. Until, until he I always stop. says, folks, until he retires. And then, yes. then he can oh, go Oh, my Mac. God. I'm so impressed with the Mac. I like it so much more. And Leo, It'll be I've very also- different by the time you retire. I just want to say, Steve, we don't I know where, the, where it's headed. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did, uh, someone even warned me. Someone said, Steve, you better switch now before OS. Yeah, I think he said OS 9, but that couldn't be. He meant OS 11. OS. I think really what yeah. he, it's the iOSification of the Mac that we're all worried ah, about. Yeah, yeah, that's not good. Um, I just, I've come to a formal decision also. Oh. I'm never leaving XP. <laughs> not even when my three Seven's years nice. are nice. You don't like seven? Not, even when my three years, no, XP, it's like, it's still in my way. I've, I've tried to get used to it. It's like, there, there's just nothing I need over there. So it's not I, I'm supported anchor, at all, of course. Down. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is for three years. Yeah. You got, then you're going to have to make a decision. Yeah. I've already made it. I'm not moving. <laughs> I'm, un, I'm unplugging. We'll set up a telegraph, Leo. Okay. So, ARC. For the Mac by Haystack Software, haystacksoftware.com slash ARC, A-R-Q, one-time purchase of $29. Um, it is a beautiful front end for Amazon's S3 service. And of all of these providers, I just, I like S3. Um, I mean, Amazon is huge, 99.9999999% uptime any two Amazon data centers can completely evaporate. They can, you know, just disappear and nothing gets lost. You know, Amazon's doing a good job. Um, you pay Amazon, so you have an S3 account. You pay Amazon. Amazon has dropped their price, by the way. It used to be 15 cents per gig per month. Now it's 12 and a half hmm. per gig per month. And they dropped their upload transit. So there's no fee for uploading and that I mentioned last week, probably the week before also, that I love that because it allows me to send stuff up, you know, to be like continually updating images of my systems with no cost. It's not until I need one mm-hmm. that I pay anything. So I, I just really like it. The guy did a beautiful job of his, his trust no one security. He has the full crypto spec and documentation published on his site. Um, there's an iOS uh, app called ArcView for the iPhone and iPad that gives you, uh, obviously, shared access to it. Um, there's even a command line version, which is open-sourced and available. So you, you, huh. can, you, you can see how it works. 
how it works. Now, one thing that is that gives you a sense for the, the thoroughness of this guy is there's a completely independent guy, Nathaniel Gray, who is N8Gray, G-R-A-Y dot org. Um, he wrote, he, he's, he's got a bunch of crazy stuff on his site. Um, one is called Backup Bouncer. This is an independent test suite for Mac backup utilities to see if they get it right. Because there's, it's one thing to have the actual file contents, and everybody is obviously going to get that right. But there's the, the, the metadata is often equally important. It's, you know, user it is access. on the Mac because the Mac relies so much on metadata. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, permissions, ownership, timestamps, symbolic links, ownership of symbolic links, hard links, resource forks, finder flags, finder locks, finder creation data, BSD flags, extended attributes, access control lists, all of this stuff. So, th- so this guy, he says on his site, hey there, OS 10 user, do you back up your files? Of course you do, right? Right? But do your backups work? Really? Are you sure? Have you checked? Backup Bouncer, and it's free, of course, is here to help keep the ugly backup tools out of the club. It's a command line based test suite that makes it easy to find out how bad or good, if you're lucky, your backup software is. It aims to be a comprehensive test for preservation of all OS X file metadata. The initial test release release. The initial release tests for preservation of, and then he's got a list of stuff that I partially read just now. And he says, Backup Bouncer can do many things to make testing easier for you. It can create test volumes, populate them with interesting files, run a test suite of popular and not so popular command line copiers, including CP, RSync, TAR, Ditto, PAX, and ZAR, Verify the results of a copy, either from its own test suite or your favorite command line or graphical tool, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, only two backup solutions pass, ARC and Jungle Disk. And they both go to S3. Actually, Jungle and, Disk now rack space, but... Right. Yeah. This um, sounds like a, kind of the new Jungle Disk for the Mac. I think it is. Yeah. I, 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 I really like it. One-time purchase, 30 bucks, actually 29 and I like, I, I mean, I'm like an S3 on the back end just because, you know, nobody's bigger, nobody bigger is going to buy them. I mean, this is what happened to Jungle Disk is they got bought by Rackspace right. and, you know, Dave left. And so the developer's gone and it sort of feels a little bit like it's maybe wandered off course. It's not, it hasn't been updated for a long time and, and so forth. And there are people who are having problems with it and and having a hard time getting the, the support. So right. I really like this. I think this is... For as an if S three makes sense for you, that kind of storage pricing where you only pay for what you use, um, and you know and I'm impressed oh, by this. They have a uh, when you install it, it has a little S three storage budget calculator. Uh, so you could say, well, you know, I want to spend ten dollars a month. Well, that's seventy one point four three gigabytes. Uh, okay, well, I want to spend five dollars a month. Well, that's what, oh, I have to go back. That's uh, 35.7 gigabytes. So you can actually figure out, and it will delete older backups to keep your costs within that budget, which is something Ooh. Jungle Disk never did. 
Oh. I really like that. So you could say, well, I'm going to spend 20 bucks, so I'll get 142 gigabytes. Um, and then and then and then it'll automatically manage that for yeah, you. Yeah, it'll delete older uh, uh, stuff. You can also. This is. You're right. He knows the Mac. He knows them. He's paying attention. Yep. Yeah. And you can say back up my home folder, except caches, logs, and trash, or manually add. It has drag and drop, which is very nice. Yeah, I agree with you. This is this is quite nicely done for people who want to uh, use it on the Mac. Yes, who want yeah. a solution for for yep. A, a, yep. as a front end for S3. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like it that I mean you buy it from him. Amazon's not going anywhere. No one's going to buy them. You know they are rock rock solid. Um, you know cloud storage and this makes it secure because again the crypto is done right strong crypto all performed on your own machine on the client nothing but but pseudo random noise goes up to amazon amazon doesn't know what you're doing you know right. it just knows right. okay I'm, i've got a bucket of bits that look like you know scrambled noise right this is like nice it. and it's 30-day free trial so try it of course, it's not yeah. free. The Amazon will start charging you immediately. But uh. actually, apparently, Amazon's got five gig free for a year. Ah, yeah. I, 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 yeah he mentions that on that page. AWS free uh, from Amazon, free, free five gigs for a year. So, although you have to have an Amazon account, and so that gets you over to Amazon. But who doesn't? And of I mean, course, Amazon today, knowing that you were going to do this story, released an app for their cloud drive solution. <laughs> <laughs> so for Macs and PCs. So and Java based, Leo. Is it? Of course it yep. is because it's cross platform. It yeah. Yep. Yeah. So it gets it, it obviously this is a category everybody wants to be in. Yeah. And and again, we're I'm not we're not gonna beat this thing to death, but I wanted to spend these, you know, this time to give people like an overview. Certainly cloud security matters. And and I'm hoping I mean, I know that we have some effect, at least on the little guys, that is, this podcast does, because I've had, I've gotten feedback from everybody. I mean, right, it right. it matters. And I just want them to do the security right. It's just not hard. It it just, you know, m- mostly it takes caring about it. All yeah. the technology is there. Yeah. So I want to wrap up by talking about this compared to TrueCrypt, because TrueCrypt is the granddaddy of file system encryption. And there's been some confusion about how these types of solutions interface with TrueCrypt and how TrueCrypt can be used in the cloud. And TrueCrypt is fundamentally different because TrueCrypt, the way you would use TrueCrypt in the cloud is you would create a container file on your hard drive and this would be a fixed size so you need to you allocate you know uh you know 10 gig which once upon a time was insane but now <laughs> we all have terabytes um you know so you 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 create a container file to hold the file system then then you use truecrypt to encrypt the file system in that container file and and then you you put that container file in the cloud now once initially you're doing a 10 gig upload that is the entire container that is a true crypt file system goes off to the cloud 10 gigs there it goes even if it's empty 
10 gigs because you know the to when TrueCrypt encrypts it it turns the entire thing into noise all looks like it's got data in it so off it goes 10 gigs once it finally gets there then if we assume that your client on the 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 client that's managing this cloud service for you is intelligent and lots of them are they're only going to update tiny portions of this large file if that's all that change almost all of them that are that have matured look at the file that they've got versus the file that that you've got and when you make a few changes they only send those up so the beauty of truecrypt is that is that when you make some changes in your truecrypt volume it's like sectors or clusters on the hard drive only those clusters that are about the files you're changing and the metadata like the directory system and timestamps and things only those change so they're relatively small incremental changes to the whole 10 gig for example true crypt volume and those get shuttled up to the cloud and then you're synchronized now the problem with true crypt is it really wasn't designed for this application we're sort of you know we're we're sort of stretching it that way and I have heard and I have said, and it's since been confirmed, that you cannot leave the TrueCrypt volume mounted. That is, TrueCrypt acquires exclusive ownership of this volume file and won't share it with the cloud client. So it's necessary after doing things to unmount, to, to dismount the volume from TrueCrypt, then the cloud storage thing see, can see that it is available and changed and, and make the updates. So it's not as transparent. The other problem is, even if you stored nothing in the 10 gig TrueCrypt volume, you've still stored 10 gigs in the cloud because you basically you're storing a whole drive in the cloud. So you're paying for it even if it's empty. That's where these file by file systems right. have the advantage that you're 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 basically you're storing encrypted versions of your file the downside of doing that is you can see that there are files and there are directories they've got cryptographic names but you can sort of you know there is some leakage of this metadata you know timestamps and structures of the file system now, I don't know that that is a big concern, but the beauty of TrueCrypt is there is nothing that anybody can tell from the outside of this blob. They can't tell how many files, how big they are, you know, what's going on. They could detect that that you changed something if they were watching really closely, but it's just, you know, random changes, literally <laughs> random changes of this big blob. So it doesn't really get them anywhere. So, I mean... TrueCrypt is maybe the ultimate TNO. There are people using it. They are using it in the cloud. They say, yes, you've got to unmount the volume for it to update. But they just, they like the fact that it is TrueCrypt. And, you know, we've talked about it. We've been, we've been discussing it in various contexts for years. It's very solid. On the other hand, 
There's nothing unsolid about these file-by-file systems. And frankly, that's the approach I take. I'm doing the file-by-file approach rather than the, the, the big, uh, you know, homogeneous uh, uh, drive uh, that TrueCrypt creates. So I think we're done for now. I'll keep my eye. I think, <laughs> for now, keep being my, the operative. <laughs> yes, for Friends, now. Yeah. I'll keep my eye out for other tweets, people bringing things to my attention. Uh, we'll watch these various things evolve. Um, I think they're going to. Uh, I Now, I, I just said that, and I realized I never did yet talk about Spider Oak, which is already mature-seeming. Uh, mature looking and beautifully cross platform. I think maybe we'll take a break for a couple of weeks, let people, you know, catch their breath from all of this. And then uh, after I have some more experience with Spider Oak, be able to talk about it more knowledgeably. Um, I mean, it looks like a nice utility. I just have not drilled down into it and figured out how they do the things that, that, that they do. Oh, I think Ark, Ark is the one also, Leo. He says on his page that he is doing versioning and he keeps like, Every file per week for the last month and every file for the last month for the prior year or blah, 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 blah. He's got some nice sort of a hierarchical versioning deal. That's yeah, I'm, I'm looking at his photo, folder structure on uh, S3, and it doesn't duplicate my local folder structure. So he's obviously doing some smart stuff. And that's why that calculator makes sense. He even says, you tell me how much, what's your limit on spending, and I'll keep versions up to that point, but delete the oldest versions at that point. So uh, versioning is very handy. I really like that. And uh, there are, uh, you know, a lot of tools don't do such a good job with that. So that is that is attractive and i like the idea of using s3 but i i'll be very interested to hear your comparison to spider oak cuz i use that currently and i uh i don't know i'm i'm running arc right now <laughs> i don't know how many backups can one person have is there such a thing as too many i don't know leo if there is you will find it and break <laughs> it so and then I have Google Drive and everything else. I just don't. You know what I'm really looking for? The thing I'm least, uh, I'm most loath to lose is my uh, my photos. Uh, I've got my documents are small, right? Because that's not that's just documents. So that that yep. I've got backed up in a number of ways. But the photos are large. We're hundreds of gigabytes here, and that's in fact close to a terabyte. And that's where I'm a little concerned. I use a service called SmugMug. I don't want to add to your list here, but SmugMug, which is a photo sharing service for pros does support S3. So what happens is you can say, when I upload the originals, I want the originals stored on S3 at additional, you know, I pay the S3 charges. But that's nice because now I have the originals stored on S3. SmugMug has the JPEGs and, you know, albums that I can share and buy prints of. And so that's kind of how I'm doing it. Although, you know, a terabyte on S3 is not cheap. Leo, I really want this from my from Windows. Um, on, Arc. Uh, that is to say Arc, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he says under Wayback Machine, Arc keeps multiple versions love of that. your files. Yeah, I love that. He says, following the initial backup, Arc automatically makes incremental backups every hour, every day, uploading just the files that have changed since your last backup. Perfect. Arc keeps hourly backups for the past 24 hours, daily backups for the past month, and weekly backups for everything older than a month. Perfect. So, yeah, so it's like, you know, a beautiful hierarchical staging backup system allowing you to, you know, go back to prior versions of things. Ugh. You know, no 
no file size limits, 4 gigs or 40 gigs, doesn't matter. Backs up your external drives and your network drives. Doesn't delete backups or your external drives just because you haven't plugged them in lately. Oh, there are a couple services that do that. If, if they haven't seen an external drive for a while, they just, you know, remove it from your from your cloud. It's like, ouch. So, anyway, very nice for, for Windows. Uh, for, for, for Mac. I wish it was for Windows. Well, there are other solutions, I'm sure. And we'll find out yes. about them because everybody's going to tweet them at you. And <laughs> you, you'll never – this is not done. Remember, no, I, Leo, I've opened a real can of worms. <laughs> a special health-focused Steve Gibson. We're, we're calling him Steve Gibson Lab Rat episode. This is not a Security Now episode. This is We've segregated it for those of you who can't stand yet another discussion of diet and health. But if you're interested, Sunday, 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern, right after the tech guy, right before Twit. That's 2100 UTC. And we'll put it out as a special uh, not yes, in the Security and, Now feed, but in the Twit Specials feed. Right. And next week, when you do know what it was we talked about... Then we'll talk you, about it. Then we'll talk and convince those people who haven't yet listened uh, that maybe they should. There you go. That's a solution. <laughs> uh, Steve is at GRC.com. That's his site for uh, Spinrite, the world's best hard drive maintenance and recovery utility. One must have it if one has it, hard drives. It pays my bills. And it pays Steve's bills, so it's a good thing just to buy it anyway he also uh, makes uh, available freely at his own expense uh, 16 kilobit versions of the audio of this show for people with bandwidth limitations and transcriptions uh, which he pays to have uh, done each week from the wonderful elaine's thank you elaine thank you steve that's at grc.com if you have a question for next week's feedback episode i guess tweeting at sggrc works <laughs> it seems to but i think this week we'll also take questions from uh, grc.com slash feedback since we didn't do that yes. last week sometimes the question does need to be longer than 140 <laughs> characters you know i like so, the short ones though i gotta admit there's something i know there's something to be said for them I know. um and uh you can find the full quality versions and video of this show as always at twit.tv slash sn going way back to episode i don't even know what what it is one one 350 episodes ago yeah, we should have started with zero, but <laughs> Hey, Steve, thanks so much. Have a great week, and I will see you Sunday for that special edition. Oh, I can't wait. I'll make some notes and organize, and I'm going to blow your mind, Leo. I can't wait either. And we'll see you all next week on Security Now. Security Now.